Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to day 33 of the 7 a.m. Novelist 50 Day Writing Challenge First Draft Edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Just a warning for those of you who are listening outside of the country or in other time zones, because I know we have quite a few. Um, tomorrow we have, tomorrow it's daylight savings. So we'll actually be on an hour later. And so everyone gets an extra hour to sleep, which I'm actually very excited about. Okay, so today we continue talking about scenes. And in particular, we're focusing on the necessity of sensory details with two writers who have a very unique way of approaching this topic, Laura Wilson, Dan Fogarty. Dan, Dan and Laura, do you want to quickly say hi? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Uh, Laura is the curator of the Concord Festival of Authors and the founder of Be Well, Be Here, a mindful wellness educational collaborative. Her short stories have been published in the Kenyon Review, Story Quarterly, American Fiction, Confrontation, and Indiana Review, among others. She's been awarded fellowships and scholarships from the Massachusetts Cultural Council and from the Breadloaf and Swanee Writers Conferences. And I actually met her at the latter, which was fun. For many years, she served on the board of Grub Street, where she taught master fiction workshops, a 40-year mediator, uh, no, meditator. Uh, Law devotes her life to exploring the intersection of personal narrative and mindful well-being. Dan Fogarty is a novelist and journalist born and raised in New York City. He's a former editor at USA Today, Boston.com, and a former advisor to the Concussion Alliance, a nonprofit that helps patients navigate brain injuries. Dan's background in journalism helps inform his work, including his novel, Kill the Prince, which was heavily researched for nine years. A boxing hobbyist, Dan suffered a mild traumatic brain injury in 2016 during a sparring session. His recovery influenced his novel, Kill the, uh, Kill the Prince. And that novel came out when, Dan? Just this last year, correct? Yes, that came out in September. September. So I would recommend everyone chasing that book down. Okay. So notice we've got we've got someone we've got two writers who've worked in the short stories novels. We also have two people that approach it in different ways. Uh, Laura approaches approaching it in terms of mindfulness and wellness, and Dan approaching it in terms of basically writing a character that has had um, a traumatic uh, brain injury. So, uh, Laura, why don't you start us off? How do you approach sensory detail? What does it even mean to you and how do you attack it in your work? Well, thanks for having me here, Michelle, and doing this wonderful podcast. It's great. Um, so to me, the essence of a story is in the details because we're really trying to explore what it means to be human on the page. And what a magical thing, right, to create someone who doesn't really exist except through our experience. So for me, the way to tap into that is to go deeply into those sensory details, which also happens to be a mindful practice, which I came to because I'm a cancer survivor. And um, I had been doing those practices all along, but I got a real boost from them when I was trying to go through my treatments. And what I found was that we can also align with other people by doing the practices together in a particular way. And it does relate to writing in that when we are looking through the lens of a sensory detail, we are automatically engendering empathy. That's the thing that just happens. So if you go into your sensory experience, the somatic part of your body where you live and you, and you notice it in a, in a new way, for example, you know, you might see something uh, for what it is, you might see the leaves on the tree and the light shining through. But if you go into that imagination that you have, that's one of the beautiful things about being human. 
you can op- explore and open it to another world, another way of expression. Um, and I love the idea that, um, you know, when we look at things through sensory detail, like simile and metaphor, that's kind of what we're doing, right? It's like we're contrasting a factor or reality for what we perceive it to be in the moment. And then the imagery that comes through our imagination allows it to become something else. We do that when we create a character as well. We see the world through our own eyes, and then we imagine this other being seeing the world through their eyes. And that to me is a bit of a magic trick. Absolutely. That's amazing. All right, Dan, how about you? I, I was forced into it. Uh, I, <laughs> I was very intimidated by sensory details, among other things, when, when writing my novel, um, because I always looked at it through the lens of what other authors did and, and how they did it. And that is intimidating, particularly if you're reading good authors. Yeah. Um, my experience came from, I had a, as you mentioned, Michelle, I had a, a mild traumatic brain injury in 2016 from boxing and a lot of weird stuff started happening to my body and to my nervous system. And it would entail me going to a doctor's office, telling them about what was happening to me, what was I, what I was experiencing in a given day and them like not understanding it. And then telling me, I, you know, I think it's anxiety and like trying to give me, you know, medication for it. And and I knew something was wrong. So I had to get really good at talking about what I was feeling when I went Mm. in, I had to be prepared because I had 15 minutes and I had to be like a lawyer and I had to get it like correct. It's like, no, the walls feel like they're moving on my left side. And like the the, the ground shifts this way because I had a lot of like kind of like balance issues and proprioception stuff. So what I would say is the approach I take is through the nervous system of my characters. And my book is written in first person and it really gets into the nitty gritty of what it feels like with a brain injury. And mm-hmm. it's it's tough to describe stuff. But once you really start getting in there, you realize that your way of describing something is different and is unique about what's happening in your nervous system. Um, And that's kind of your entry point. And that's kind of what you can contribute as an artist, because we're all different. We all have different relationships to our bodies. Literally, the way that we're programmed neurologically is different in how we interpret senses and feelings that drop in, whether it's anxiety or, or fear or dread. There's a lot of moments in my book where the walls are vibrating or mm. ground is shifting and it's moving. And there's, you know, that can, that can generate some suspense that can generate um, that can be kind of a show don't tell moment of, Hey, things are heading in a certain direction. So I would just implore people to try not to be so intimidated by it because the experience is in you already and, and tap into it. And you know, I, I think look, what uh, Laura just said is is a hundred percent. That's such a great way to tap into that is being mindful. I think literally when you close your eyes and you start to sense what's happening in your own body, that's rewiring you to now to pay attention. And you can extrapolate that across characters based on what that character is like and what they're going through. Yes, and I have found if people are not used to 
paying attention to their own sensory experience, um, that they actually have a very, very hard time um, translating that to other characters. So it, it, in many cases, it can be necessary to do, to pay, to, to build that practice for yourself in order to, to be able to write to others. And then we also have, <clears throat> I was, I'm teaching Jason Mott's hell of a book in this year's novel incubator. And I think, um, talk we also sometimes talk about well how do you write about someone who's like you or even someone that's very different from you how do you write about the other that's a big thing these days and there's a moment in Jason Mott's book in which he writes about that the character he's a he's a black character and he's in a room where no white people are and he can feel the difference in his skin he can feel the relief of that um, just um, in in the again the sense of touch um, around him, and I think a lot of times when we write about other characters, we don't remember some of those things. Like you really have to put yourself in the skin of the character, and 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 more so than I think people go to like, well, what kind of what kind of foods do they eat in that culture, or what kind of you know music do they like, and and those are the ordinary things that don't really really get us into the culture and into the character. Um, Laura, when you go at this, so how do you, so you, part of it is some of your mindfulness, but how else are you approaching finding the right sensory details or, or getting that in your fiction or nonfiction? You bring up something really interesting that I want to mention about how people come to this differently. And it relates to what Dan said about proprioceptive awareness. Yeah. So when we go into the body and we're, we're thinking about how we feel in it, um, we're engaging our interoceptive awareness, sort of how we live in our senses. And everyone comes at this differently. If you are a person who experienced great trauma, brain injury is a trauma, or you know, we've all experienced trauma. It could be on the playground when we were a child. It could be something egregious. But when we experience it, it actually holds itself in the cells of our body. So when we do any kind of practice that we're going into our sensory awareness, trying to sort of source something, we can awaken those pieces of us and it can become uncomfortable at times or surprising. Um, so I do say to people, you know, the way you bring yourself back into the moment, if you're trying some of these practices that get you into your sensory body um, is to really notice what's around you, pay close attention, notice the palms of your, the lines in the palms of your hand, um, notice, you know, the things on your desk, the pattern in your rug, and then you're in the moment. And so this is kind of an interesting place to look at sensory detail as a writer. You know, where are you in this moment? If you look at the room today at 7 a.m., you see this, you see these types of shadows, these sorts of silhouettes of trees. If you come back here tomorrow and it's midday, the sun might be beaming in and you see how the light changes. And so noticing those changes in your own experience, in your own environment can inform you about how you're noticing it from a point of view of your character. And, you know, it's interesting. I was in thinking about what we were going to talk about today. I go to back to one of my favorite teachers, and I know you've mentioned her before, Margot Livesey. Yeah. And um, she had this practice that I, I teach a lot, which is if you're writing a particular character and you feel like you're getting locked up about that sensory experience because you're unsure, rewrite it from a different point of view character in your book, that same experience. Bring that other character into the room. Or another little hack you can have is change the name of your character for a moment. You know, if your character was named Millicent and you change it to Fabiana, you know, it's <laughs> you're going to obviously like engage something else. So you can use these little ways of approaching details from point of view 
uh, when you have a sensory experience that's outside of your body, but it's actually initiated within it. Yes. And I think a lot of that is, you know, we get so familiar with our text. We get so close to it that we almost can't approach it anymore. We can't write it anymore. We can't see it anymore. So in some of those tricks, she's basically talking about, well, give, um, make it strange to you in some way or make it unfamiliar to you some way so that you're able to approach it from a new direction. That's great. And then Dan, um, so, so Law touched upon a little bit. Um, I mean, you wanted to talk about like the kind of the nerve, like understanding how nerve system works um, in terms of getting across how we feel, how our bodies feel in a room. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I again, I was kind of forced into becoming uh, an armchair neurologist. So right. I had to have this acute sense of what was going on in my own body. But I think, I think we all um, carry things from childhood, uh, whether it's, you know, capital T trauma, or just a certain hypervigilance around certain things, you know, if, um, if we were in a home with a with a lot of yelling, we might kind of be hypervigilant to certain changes in the temperature. And I'm not talking about actual changes. I'm talking about emotional changes to the temperature. Yeah. If the fight is on the way. If there's some bad weather coming through, the the little kid in us might be vigilant to that, and that can carry over into our everyday lives. So again, it goes back to this notion of if if you're intimidated by sensory detail. Okay. And it's, it's, again, I'm saying it's one of the many things I was intimidated about getting right. When I wrote my book, your entry point is your own body. It yeah. is, it's your own experience. Even if you're writing about someone else or someone from a different background, you can kind of like get into it from that doorway and then extrapolate onto someone else. Somebody else, if you're writing, if you're introverted and you're writing a character that's extroverted, well, you know, take some of those like temperature changes, some of that kinetic energy that you're aware of in your own body. Like, are you are you hyper aware of like people when you walk into a coffee shop or are you, or if you were an extrovert, would you be so comfortable in that situation that you're walking in? And it's almost like, you know, you're part of this ocean. You're part of this ocean. Whereas you come you come to it from a character who's a bit more of an outsider. You're like you're taking stock of those faces, those, those sharp edges of shadow could be a bit more threatening, as opposed to someone who's perhaps more comfortable in, in whatever given sense. So you can kind of like play with the dials a bit, but to understand the dials, to understand your own emotional life or your own sense of your own nervous system, I think a good way, again, is to drop in and to be aware of Okay, what's happening to my heart? What's hap what what's happening to my stomach? What's happening to my shoulders? Am I kind of guarding as I walk into this kind of space or when I'm dealing with this kind of person? And and the the shifts are so subtle, but if you tune into them, now you've got the map that will allow you to not only write a character like yourself, but then use your imagination to create a character that's totally different from you. Yes. And that it's so important because I feel like people think, well, I'll put that, those details back in later, but you, you, you can't, you're not writing through the character. And oftentimes people rely first on um, uh, site details because we, we become such a vision, uh, culture that, that uh, focuses on vision in terms of film and television, but that those sorts of details aren't very 
uh, intimate and they're not usually very fresh. So if you also think about um, smell, taste and touch, those sorts of sensor images are gonna draw us very, very close to your character, um, oftentimes in uncomfortable ways, um, which is probably what you want to do, actually. Um, and then um, it's also just a fresher way of, of um, attaching us to the characters and getting us inside the characters um, experience, like inside the body um, is so very necessary, yeah. Um, yeah, Michelle, that brings to mind, um, my, my mentor was the late Andre Debuse, Andre III's dad, uh, who was a master of the form of short stories and just an incredible teacher and guide. I was very fortunate to have met him. And he used to say, find one true sentence, one detail at a time. He was, I guess, what you would call a pantser, right? It was not, it was an organic way through the story. And um, the other thing he liked to use in terms of detail is the word sensual and sensual doesn't have to mean sexual. It's just like really yeah. feeling like the grain of the experience. And if you, if you look at his writing, you can see how particular he was about details. And Andre III, if you look at his memoir, Townie, that's a place where you are living in a brutal existence in poverty and behavioral mass, and you're experiencing it intensely through all of those sensory messages that you're, you're mentioning smell. He uses a lot of sensory detail in that book. And, and you also bring to mind this idea of consciousness. And I, I being this sort of nerd that I am is when I try to teach, I always bring someone else's book in. Yes. I, I go back to poetry because that was my first love when I came to writing. And I have this book, um, the art of description by Mark Doty, which is part of the series Charles Baxter put together. And there's this beautiful paragraph. I thought I would read if no one minds um, from the section called remembered stars, such a beautiful yes. chapter. Um, anyway, it says, this is Mark Doty. What descriptions, or good ones anyway, actually describe then is consciousness, the mind playing over the world of matter, finding there's there a glass various and lustrous enough to reflect back the complexities of the self that's doing the looking. So it's yeah. this idea of being in the consciousness that's doing the perceiving. So there's the idea of like, I, I sometimes start my writing day with a question. Okay, so how do we live our details? How are we doing that? And what do we notice from our perceptions that can explain the why of the character's perceptions? Excellent. And so if you aren't paying attention to that, your character's asleep, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. you, you are not creating that consciousness on the page and they are not going to be living on the page um, for the reader. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I read a manuscript recently in which a writer was super talented, extremely smart writer, one of my favorite writers I work with. Um, and he was playing around with some um, kind of fantastical details. And he was worried, um, he had a particular character um, who was a fantastical character. And he's like, well, I don't know if I can use this character because I don't want to explain how this character came into being, uh, how this character was made, where this character was, came from. And, and so he said, I'm not sure if I can use the character. And I said, I don't care about any of that. I just want to be convinced that the character actually exists on the page because something that was happening in the manuscript, and I think it's because he was afraid of these other things, is that we didn't get the full sensory um, understanding details of the character existing on the page. He was kind of writing around the character. 
And so this is extremely important, not just for um, realistic fiction, but I think even more important for um, fantasy, sci-fi, those sorts of fictions. Um, I know Flannery O'Connor um, talks about uh, Kafka's metamorphosis in terms of convincing us that something strange actually exists on the page. So if you look at metamorphosis, it begins, upon waking up after a troublesome dream one morning, Gregor Samsa realized that he had turned into a hideous insect. Lying on a hard shell that was now his back, he saw with a mere move of his head, his brown, bulgy, scaly stomach, on top of which lied a blanket that was clearly about to fall down. His numerous, practically thin, compared to the rest of his body legs, floundered helplessly in front of his eyes. And it actually continues with those details from inside the body. And, and so this is an author that's writing from inside an insect's body as from the consciousness of a man. Um, he has trouble turning around, his side aches. He realizes he has a, this kind of really grotesque white wound on his body. I mean, it gets really, <laughs> yes. But of course you have to go into the grotesque for this particular sorts of sensory detail. Because if a man turns into an insect, there's going to be those kind of grotesque um, details. And so this is the only way that Kafka was able to convince us that Gregor turned into an insect. And we don't ask, oh, how is that possible for a character to turn into an insect? Or, you know, this is not medically <laughs> realistic, or this is not, we don't ask any of that because it's right in front of us. The sensory details make it true. And then he can just run from there. Yeah. Dan, do you, so you've written a lot about from yourself, from your point of view, though I know that you've also tried a lot of another other characters. I mean, how, how are you able to translate that? So you've gone deep dive into a character like yourself, but your character is also very different from you. How do you, how do you then um, take that outward to other characters? Is it, is it difficult for you? Um, how, have, how have you been able to get that kind of point of empathy? Empathy is is the key word. Yeah. Um, so I am in right now. I am in a two year acting conservatory. So not unlike the novel incubator was an MFA level program for writing. This is an MFA level program for acting. And one of the tools we work on is called particularization. So particularization means that if I'm playing a king from whatever century England how and, and there's a moment in my script where you know I, i'm yelling at somebody in my court because they've done something annoying i've never been a king in england how yeah. the hell how that and and acting has to come from true from a true place it has to yeah. come from an authentic place because otherwise people are going to look at it and say what the hell are you doing so how do i get there i've never been a king somewhere anywhere so how am i going to get to that place and literally when you come to that part in the script you write on the script man remember that guy at the coffee shop you know in in 2016 that like was just a real idiot and and you yelled at him and like so i'm particularizing and getting hyper specific about something real that has happened to me Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of transposing that emotion onto this detail. That's particularization. I think that that is a strategy that can work for taking pieces of how you interpret the world and then mapping them onto other characters. You have to do your research. You have to make sure it's authentic. You've got to make sure that there are readers who are like that character um, 
you know, if there are cultural differences or, or gender differences, like you have to make sure that it, that it's real, that it actually could exist. But I, again, I think that entry point is your perception of the world and then empathizing with the fact that your perception of the world is probably very different than other people's. Yeah. So if you can find, and then, you know, just one more word on empathy, you said it, empathy is the key to all of this. It's the key to writing a character who's a little different from you or very different from you. Even a character who's evil, which is an uncomfortable place for people to go. But if you are writing that character's experience and you're kind of commenting on it, you're distancing yourself from it. And you're, you're just kind of like, oh, they're over there and they're a bad person or they're whatever. Yeah. That's going to come through in the writing. Yeah. So you have to, you have to find a way to understand why is that character doing what they're doing or why are they interpreting the world in the way they're interpreting the world through their nervous system? Why are they hypervigilant about X, Y, and Z? Why do they react this way when they walk into certain rooms? Why are they like, very fixated on the shadows falling off a certain building or would that be characteristic of someone with their background or their trauma or good things that have happened to them are they oblivious have they like been devoid of of some of these you know things happening to them and they're they kind of just like oh wow it's sunny you know yeah, yeah. like that that impacts who we are as humans and that impacts we all change day to day and you can kind of like pay attention to that and then map it onto other people. Yes. And it, and it might take some searching because I, th- I, I'm just realizing with a character of mine in my first novel and Adina, she's, um, she's, she's, she's a older woman. Um, she's lost her entire family. She's, um, out in rural Iowa. She's highly, highly isolated and alone. And it was only, and I, I, I got, I had her voice. I felt I had a sense of her body. She was a much bigger person than, than I was. Um, which kind of helped me of actually making her body very, very different from mine that helped me kind of get inside her. But it was only when I uh, did a writing retreat in Pennsylvania for two months, I was suddenly very, very alone. I'd just gotten out of a really crappy relationship. No one was there. They set me up on campus and they're like, okay, right. And it was very just like, oh my God, nothing. It was just so quiet. Um, and I didn't know anybody there. I was really, really isolated. And I just looked around me and I could feel in the air. I thought, this is Enadina. <laughs> this, this isolation, this, this sense of um, space expansion, a little bit of fear. Um, and so it might take some searching and always being open to finding those moments and those experiences that you can relate physically to your character. Laura, how about you? I mean, I know you do this all the time and you're helping other people do this. Um, how do you approach and how do you even get other writers to, to that place of empathy? Yeah, or so other characters? Have it. You know, the books that you remember and the scenes that you love, that's where you're going, right? Yeah. It, it, that's what it's signaling to you. And the thing that I'm trying to put out in the world with the practices that I do, whether it be through mindfulness or writing, um, is this idea that empathy drives toward compassion, right? And you can't really have deep empathy for another unless you start with yourself. That's how the practice works. And this idea of self-care and self-love, you know, it sounds like something, you know, that's just in the air that we're trying to culturally grab onto. And is it really some thing or is it ephemeral or is it bogus? What is it? 
Um, and, you know, you're reminding me of this idea of we find it in the silences, right? This mm-hmm. is where we find it. We, in our culture, we're so geared up to be doing something, you know, a culture of capitalism is like grind culture and do and drive. But when we sit in silence, can we, what, what happens when we try it? It's, it's actually difficult. I actually have a quote. Um, one of my favorite authors ever, Toni Morrison was, um, and it's in her, uh, The Source of Self-Regard, it's a collection of essays. And, um, and you know, if you read a story like Beloved, you start sort of think, where did she ever come to those sensory details, how difficult that is? Yeah. So this is not an easy task. So she writes, although the silences provoked virtually all of my work, inhabiting them with one's own imagination is easy to note, not so easy to do. Yeah. So being present in the moment isn't always easy to do. Experiencing empathy in that way of trying to find some sort of self-regard is a practice that takes time. And like Michelle, you said, you were away for a while. If anyone is able to go away, even for a few days, that's where you'll start to unfold into this new way of being. And it, it will, the practice will arise for you as you walk in the woods even, and you engage with nature, which is a really great way to come into those silences and be present with all of your senses on high alert, because we are beings of nature. And when we engage in it that way, we feel like we belong in this particular way that allows us to sort of feel like our imagination is sparked by our just being present in the moment. Yes, yes. And it's so interesting because even as we've been talking in talking about awareness and being in that place of awareness, I realized that Dan, before we started talking, you said, I have a white noise machine next to me. Can you hear it? Which was interesting because when I think about it, I'm like, of course, Dan has to have a white noise machine next to him because he's in New York City and that you're dealing with certain noise. So that it, it, it you know, if I'm paying attention, I'm paying attention to those small details that then give me a little bit of your world, um, which I think is interesting. Um, okay, guys, we, we've got to go. I need to get these, these folks to their writing desk. Um, tomorrow, we're an hour later, remember, um, we're going to be talking about pacing and time with writers Sharissa Jones and Stacey Mattingly. And actually, next Saturday, if you are local in Boston, um, you might be interested to coming to um, the Arlington Writers Salon. Uh, We're going to be doing a big book fest for a whole bunch of our uh, a whole bunch of writers, including some 7 a.m. writers, including Jane Roper, Crystal King, Virginia Pye, Whitney Share, Anjali Mitraduva, Susan Bernhard and me. We're all going to be signing books at the Granola Cafe in Arlington, Massachusetts from two to five uh, on next Saturday, November 12th. All right, everybody, if you support what we're doing, please follow and rate our podcast and you can find our full schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Law and Dan, this was fantastic. We could have actually, we could have talked about this for hours. You were absolutely fantastic. And I hope everyone, I hope both of you are able to get some writing done today. And I hope everyone else gets to your desk, get some good work done. And it's wonderful to see you this morning. Like a leaf inside the wind and you go where it tells you to go. But you never wonder why there is nothing here at all.